Lunchtime Live with Andrea Gilligan on News Talk. Now, I want to talk about Richard Curtis, um, the director and writer, of course, known for Love Actually and Notting Hill, Four Weddings and a Funeral. But what's interesting about Richard Curtis at the moment is that he's promised never to make fat jokes, fat commentary, use language about people's weight in any of his work again. And he says he feels bad about some of the lines that are used in his films and he says they're they're no longer funny. The one I suppose that stands out, um, Martine McCutcheon in Love Actually, she played Natalie as the personal assistant to the Prime Minister. No, I've, um, I've just split up with my boyfriend actually. He said I was getting fat. I beg your pardon? He said no one's going to fancy a girl with thighs the size of big tree trunks. Not a nice guy actually. You know Natalie who works here? The chubby girl. Who would we call her chubby? I think there's a pretty sizable ass there, yes, sir. Huge thighs. Right, uh, well, perhaps you should uh, come on later, Plumpy. Uh, Natalie. Sizable arse and plumpy. So he's apologised anyway for the language. Says so not going to use it anymore. And I'm interested. Uh, I was interested in this because I wonder: does fat shaming like is fat shaming just part? And you know, was it just part now of a lot of movies? Does it need to stop? Eighteen hundred four five three one zero six is the number. Bernie is with me on the line. Bernie, does the the language that we've we've just heard there and and played? Um, does it have an impact? Well, it certainly does. Um, I'm just a person who's lived with obesity all their life. And I really enjoyed the film, loved the film, and actually loved most of the films. But for every one of them, I could remember a line that really resonated with me. And I always remember when they described Natalie's backside, kind of going, my God, that girl isn't even overweight. If they think that of her, what do they think of someone like me? I must be absolutely, truly an animal or something if they think that she's, you know, because to me there wasn't even weight on that girl. And I, I, I just think when, when people are writing stuff like this, they need to think about the way it's going to impact people. And in particular, now looking at young people and now do I have children of my own and grandchildren, I, I don't want people ever to be addressed by those kind of statements. And it, it's actually great that Richard Curtis has actually come out now and realised that, you know, that this just isn't on. It's it's not on. It's not acceptable anymore for people to be so, spoken about in that way. We're not talking, I know that we've had similar conversations or maybe in a similar vein previously about, um, you know, rewriting books or wasn't there um, the, mm-hmm. the fat conductor in Thomas the Tank Engine? And, you know, there's mm-hmm. been a lot of similar discussions. We're not talking about rewriting Love Actually, I should say that, or, or remaking no, no, the movie. I would, but I, no, I, I, I wouldn't say that either. I just think what we're moving on. As a, as a population, people are moving on. Uh, uh, the way we think about these things are changing. There's a little bit more respect. The, the, the thing that the other thing that really really resonates with me as well. You would never hear them describe a man like that. Never. I mean, when a man's getting older, he's putting on a bit of weight, or he's going grey, he's getting distinguished. And mo- a woman is letting herself go. I mean, this has been throughout our lives, and I do think that is changing, and I think that is more healthy. Do you know? Yeah. The silver fox. I just think it's healthier. Yeah. You know, like, it's, yeah. Yeah. Or even even, even when uh, when a man goes bald, like, it's like, um, oh, well, you know, he chooses to go bald. And some men actually shave their heads, which is great. They feel they want to do that. But 
a woman, like something like that happens to a woman, it's a completely different attitude towards her. They will feel they can say things about a woman that they wouldn't bear a man. You know? Bernadette Keenan is with me as well, Bernie. Stay on the line. Bernadette um, is from the the Irish Coalition for People Living with with Obesity. You know, it's I suppose it's not just like it's not just in in movies like Love Actually though, and and, and Bridget Jones, and you know, there's a whole host of other movies we could mention, Bernadette as well. Yeah, absolutely, Andrea. Thanks for having me on. Firstly, um, if you look at children's entertainment right across the board, it's actually got a higher percentage of weight stigma than adult entertainment has. And I mean, this has an impact. I remember one mum telling me that I've always had an issue with Peppa Pig, but I remember one mum saying that her uh, young son had been watching Peppa Pig. And when they were out, he approached um, a woman and said she had a big fat tummy because they say that to Daddy Pig. And so if they say it in Peppa Pig, then it's okay to say it to others. Now, that's fine because she was with him and she could talk to him about it. But you think about when he's in the playground at play school and, you know, maybe there isn't an adult close by and he says something to another child. That child then has to live with it and internalizes that stigma, you know. So it starts from such a young age. So every one of these things, like across Disney, you know, we see it. Um... The larger character is evil, they're cruel, they're greedy, they're, you know, you know as soon as you see a larger character what they're going to be, pretty much, that they're going to be the bad person, you know. If we look at um, SpongeBob SquarePants, the starfish Patrick, um, he's lazy and he is seen as very much less intelligent than the rest. And there's even one scene in one of the movies, actually, where... There's a loving couple sitting across from each other in a diner, two fish, and they're sharing a burger. But then it cuts to the fish behind, who happens to be living in a large body, is sitting on their own, eating their burger, and their chair breaks underneath them. You know, these are what Mm. kids are seeing. So by the time, like Richard Curtis seems pretty small compared to some of the others. Now, I don't believe, it's like everybody says about kind of rewriting Roald Dahl or anything like that. I do agree with using them to teach why certain personifications are wrong. You know, uh, to say, look, this is the way life was. People didn't really realize just how much stigma, you know, could damage people, and especially when it becomes internalized. So it's just that we're more we're more aware now, really, uh, burned it. I greater so. awareness I mean, of the stigma. Well, there have been so many psychological, you know, studies done on kind of stigma and internalized stigma, and how it impacts people lifelong. It's not something that goes away. I mean, you know, I remember as a child, if I was sitting in the cinema and something came up about weight, which happened pretty much in most films, I just wanted a hole to open up and swallow me because I was so embarrassed because people assume that it's your fault. People do not realize what obesity is all about, about the fact that it's a disease and that it's not necessary. It's not a choice. It's not a lifestyle choice. Mm. You know, there are so many issues that cause it. And yet we are embarrassed for living with a disease. 
Hey, it's interesting when you mention, you know, because I, I was going to, there's loads of other movies and Bridget Jones and um, yeah. Gunna Paltrow and in, in, in Shallow, Shallow Hal as well. And there's a load of movies that spring to mind. But but even when you talk about the kids' movies, um, and it's the, it's the association, I suppose, that the overweight or the obese character has with, as you say, you know, they're the bad character or the bold character or the lazy character. Or the, like, there's a load of other things that come with that. Yeah, it's right across the board. It's And it's all negative, you know. it's. I mean, we have on our um, committee, we have a grandmother who reads Mr. Men books to her grandchildren. And she was reading Mr. Greedy and she was horrified with kind of what came out of Mr. Greedy even, you know. But even if we go back to Richard Curtis, I think the bit he forgot was Four Weddings and a Funeral. Because when um, Simon Callow's character dies and John Har- Hannah's character gives the eulogy, what he was remembered for was being oh so fat. That was the first thing that was mentioned when he seemingly mm. rang other characters in the film. Yeah, that's what he was remembered for. Yes. In Bridget- and I mean, who, I was just going to say, who would want to be remembered after their lifetime for being fat above anything else they've done, you know? John has got in touch and, and many others as well, Bernadette. Um, and there there is a feeling, I suppose, or a sense that maybe we are losing our sense of humour or we're losing our sense of fun or we, we can't laugh at ourselves, you know, at ourselves anymore. What would you say to to those texters, Brenda? Well, if you happen to be that three-year-old child in the playground who's being tormented because of their body shape, I mean, that same child is never going to be questioned about the height they are, you know? And that's genetic. So, um, and weight is quite genetic, up to 70%. Aside from, as I said, there are so many other causal factors and that's what people don't understand because the media has always portrayed it as a lifestyle choice, which for most people it's not. And this is what we need to learn because you don't laugh at people who have a disability. Mm. You don't laugh at people who have... And this is now actually within the HSE become a chronic disease, just as other chronic diseases. Would you laugh at somebody else because they have asthma, you know? Would you agree with that? Would you agree, Bernie, with uh, with Bernadette on that? Oh, definitely, definitely. Because um, for, for me, it's it, it's all it's all around what the perception is when something is said. Particularly, I'm saying that after bringing up about the, the young people's programs, really, you can see you can see it right across the board. And the problem is that you're made to feel well if you if you don't laugh or if you say something, then you're just being a crank. But the fact of the matter is. They're insulting people. And then uh, to make it even worse, the, you're looking at these programmes, you're looking at a, a, a beautiful looking actress being told, oh, this woman has a huge, a huge backside or, or turned her ties or something. Mm. And you're looking going, that girl hasn't got turned her ties. Are they all a bit blind or something? Yeah. So if that's what they think of her, then what do they think of me? So it's like, um, it's almost as if they're, they're blinkered around this conversation, around what can be used and what, can't be used, you know, they, they only see what they want to see. And if it was a larger actress you were looking at, you, you could possibly say, well, they picked her because she's a larger actress to, be, to, to meet that part. But that's not what you see. 
Some like of the, in Silence of the Lambs, the girl in, in the end, the Silence of the Lambs, the girl that was captured, he described her as huge. That girl was between a size 12 and a 14. And the fellow who had kidnapped her was called a huge person. Right. I think the same like happened in Bridget Jones' diary as well, didn't it? it wasn't Bridget Jones, like the, the other thing around Bridget Jones, like um, you can't get a fella because you're too big. I'd yeah. I'd like to see the statistics on that because yeah, that yeah, yeah. No, I know. It what doesn't you mean. relate yeah. that. I've I've ever seen. I've I've always had partners. I've been married and killed children the whole lot, and most people I do know are the same. So this whole thing coming through movies, like oh well, if you're not a perfect size and if you haven't got a perfect this and you know so she was on the scales every day Bridget Jones because she believed she needed to mm. lose weight she was on the scale she was nine and a half stone I think she was de- she was described as having a bottom the size of Brazil wasn't that the yeah. line from it there you go like I mean and and you'd laugh because that's what we're it's almost we're we're trained to laugh do you know what I mean but then on the other hand you're sitting there looking saying Hold on, that girl hasn't even got a big bottom, never mind a bottom the size of Brazil. She hasn't. I thought Bridget Jones, lovely looking girl, do you know? Mm. Pa- Patrick uh, Patrick is texting Bernie on this and he says uh, talking about fat shaming in school making fun of and laughing at children because they're overweight can be considered a form of bullying if it's not okay with children why should that form of bullying be considered okay in movies and in the adult world in general of course fat shaming should not be tolerated in movies but that doesn't mean that we shouldn't have sensible compassionate and necessary conversations about obesity we don't have to shame people while, while doing it Gordon DePatrick. Another listener uh, on fat shaming. Thick is so in at the moment in terms of the commentary and comments from um, a lot of people. It could actually now be seen as a compliment nowadays. The world just keeps on turning. John is wondering what's wrong with calling people fat if they're fat. People who are skinny are called skinny and they're told to go and have a good feed. I don't hear them complaining, says John. Brian has got in touch. He says um, Santa Santa's fat and he's not evil, according to Brian in Dublin. Ryan is with us on the line. Ryan, you're listening to Bernie and, and Bernadette there. Um, does fat shaming need to stop in films? No. No, I don't I don't think. I think that what the caller said there about a BC being genetic is wrong. Um, if you look at the parents' generation of the 50s and 60s, um, they weren't big. They weren't obese. They weren't overly skinny. They're very healthy because they had good food. The problem now is it's the food that we eat that's causing people to get obese. It's all the crap and all the food, all the sugars, all the high carbs. That's what causes problems. It's not the actual, the very select amount of people who actually have obesity by genetics. It's not the majority, it's the minority. It's, it's not always as simple as that though, right? Oh, it is very easy. I mean, you, 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 bad junk in, bad junk out. If you are eating crap food all the time, and not trying to be healthy, it's going to have a negative effect on your on, on depression, on weight gain, on mood, on insulin resistance. You're going to have those things going to affect everybody. I mean, if you look at a photograph in the sixties. Take a photograph of of, of Sandy Mills in the sixties and the people on the beach. They're all lean because you're eating fruit, veg, with no pesticides, no crap in it, not a lot of the data, not a lot of carbs, and they're they're working in manual labor and jobs that are physically intense. So it doesn't. That, if that was genetic, they would be like that as well, but they're not. You don't change in one generation. Genetics doesn't cause that much of a change in one generation. So a lot of it is lifestyle choice. And it's not the people who are these fault. It's what's around us. It's been drilled into us, you know, sugars. I and mean, when I was a kid, we had a, a mini Mars bar and a petty saloon. That's what we got for Thursday for shopping. Now that's every day with kids. 
And that's what's causing the obesity epidemic in Ireland. I mean, it's well documented. I mean, even in the States, if you look at the size of the Coke you get when you go to the movies in the 50s and 60s, it was a small Coke. Now they think gargantuous Coke. They're massive. I need two people to listen. Think of the sugar. There's 80 teaspoons of sugar in ketchup. If you put ketchup on chips, well, there you go. It's crazy stuff. Is it just as simple as that, Bernadette? Yeah, of course it is. People make it more complicated than this. I mean, I'm not, I'm not even talking about training. I'm talking about 90% is just eat good food. I mean, it's been well documented that that's, that's the problem. It's actually, I mean, nobody's denying that we live in an obesogenic environment. But the problem is, if you have these physical issues, which have also been very well documented, they've been scientifically proven at this stage, most endocrinologists will talk about it. Um, So when you have the environment meeting things like genes, things like neurological disorders, and there's even a supposition that so many generations passed um, a famine that genetics are, you know, increasing all the time to prevent people dying in times of a famine. So people who have those genes would have been brilliant, you know, would have been very kind of welcome in famine times. But obviously in today's environment, it's not. But what I'm saying is that, yes, we do li- I'm not denying that we live in an obesogenic environment. The food, you know, is not great. We all know that. But you also have a lot of physical disorders that when they meet that environment, that becomes an issue. It's not that it's suddenly there and that people kind of are suddenly getting these things. It's because you've got one meets the other, you know, and we have to remember that. And I have to say I really disagree with John on the fact that kind of he thinks these things should be kind of used across the media because as I said I've seen so many children that have so many psychological issues because of what they've heard, what has been said to them It was a text, there was, wasn't a, it was a text message read out earlier, wasn't it on the, the language used to people burned yeah. it, yeah. yeah Yeah, yeah, no, I mean that was you know, there are people out there and they have the right to their own opinion But when something damages a person, I think then it's time to kind of actually look at it again and say, look, you know, this can't go on the way it is. So just a question then. If that that would be the case then, would you recommend, and and I didn't didn't listen to start the show, that movies and programs that have uh, content like that and it should be age-appropriate? Because I would agree with young kids, absolutely, not seeing stuff around fat and obesity because they do feel... It's a sort of trauma for them that will affect them when they get older. I'm in agreement there. So how do you police that with stuff on TV? Um, I just think, like, say, Richard Curtis, the way he came out and said it himself, you know, and actually that was because his daughter said it to him, and his daughter has no issue with weight. But she was the one who said, Dad, you cannot kind of use fat jokes anymore, is the way she put it. And that's when he realised that, you know, what he did wasn't the most appropriate. Now, it's like I said, we can't take everything back that's been put out there. It's already out there. Mm. And it would be wrong anyway, because, you know, we'd, you can't whitewash history. But I think we use them to learn from and to say, well, you know, these were not correct at the time because they did cause harm. I actually have, I have a friend of mine who, who had an issue with his health uh, a couple of years ago and they wanted to go on medication and 
the, the young man lost a ton of weight and went exercising. And he lost about eight or nine stone, got very, very healthy. And the pharmacy, believe it or not, would not give him his strips so he could test his blood sugar levels because he wasn't taking his medicine. Do you believe that? Even though he got his weight down and got his stuff and did it, he said, the doctor, diabetes clinic, I am not doing this. I'm not taking medication. I'm going to go and do it myself. And he did it every day for the good of a year and a half. And it looks brilliant. And they still would not give him his strips in the pharmacy because he wouldn't take his insulin. And his levels are fine. So that's, that's also what you're dealing with. But think about what you just said. You said he looks brilliant. You know? Um, that has an impact on him because if he ever regains weight, and 95% of people, if they lose weight, they will regain because of set point. The body's always going to push back because the body feels safest with kind of a higher weight if they've lived with a higher weight. So they will need medical intervention. But that's what I'm saying. You know, it's the simple little things like saying he looks wonderful. I've been all different shapes and sizes. And I actually felt quite, I don't know, when I was at my smallest, it was like, I'm not a different person. I live in a different shaped body, but I'm not a different person. You know. Uh, text in from Sean who says we need to stop airbrushing obesity out of modern culture. People are obese and this cohort is rising. We need to represent this in culture and not pretend that it doesn't exist. People need to face face up to it and people need to get real, says Sean. Another texter, I'd liposuction, um, liposuction and I'm not even fat but I felt I had body dysmorphia. As a gay man with Instagram I feel it every day. It came to a point where I felt awful about myself. I don't think fat shaming is only for girls. Fat men have had a really hard time at any stage of life and seeing as I was less than 85 kilograms when I had uh, liposuction I was considered skinny fat another listener villains are often very thin in the movies Bridget Jones ends up getting two men she's on the scales that's her issue in the text and societies it's complete nonsense 087 106 is the number if you want to get in touch Ryan Bernadette and Bernie thank you for, for getting in contact with us today Lunchtime Live with Andrea Gilligan Weekdays at midday on News Talk.